Welcome to Abuelas in Acción, a multicultural podcast for our common good. I am Consuelo Zaragoza, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Rosemary Celaya Alston. We are Climate Comadres, who are talking with our guests about climate action and equitable climate solutions that benefit all community members, including those who are the most vulnerable and on the front line of this climate crisis. We hope these conversations will inspire all of us to take action as environmentalists. Today, our guest is a change agent who has made incredible strides in building strong partnerships between the state of Oregon Health Authority and communities of color. Rachel Banks is the public health director at Oregon Health Authority. She is the first black public health director to serve in this role in the history of the state of Oregon. She joined OHA during the midst of a historic global pandemic to lead the public health division and help OHA reach its goal to end health inequities. Prior to this role, Rachel served as a public health director for Multnomah County, Oregon's largest and most complex local public health authority. Rachel started her public health career on the front lines as a community health worker and has spent over two decades working with brilliant communities and phenomenal colleagues in numerous areas of community health, including early childhood, family health, chronic disease prevention, injury prevention, and health equity. Advocating for health equity has been central to Ms. Banks' career. Again, welcome, Rachel. It is wonderful to have you as our guest today. I'm going to uh, be asking you a couple of questions. And the first one is, can you please share a defining moment in your life? Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, You know, as you were reading through the bio, it it took me back to a defining moment of in the the COVID pandemic. And I was uh, working for Multnomah County then sitting in a um, room that was designed for emergency preparedness, computers everywhere, all the phones, um, people really working around the clock. And um, the news came in about the first COVID death in um, Oregon and, and Multnomah County. And we all just felt this um, sense of collective grief and also um, a sense of responsibility to work um, as, as hard as possible to prevent as, as much loss of life as we could. We didn't know it would be two years later still doing um, <laughs> the work, but, but I'm struck by that moment and, um, and, and by the, the, the um, sense of humanity, the sense of, of collective that we felt in that sense of responsibility to to do whatever it took to preserve health. Great. Um, Thank you. The the second question I have for you is, we know that many people are unaware of the impact of climate change on our health and the health of our families. Can you please talk to us about the relationship between climate and our health? Yeah, absolutely. And climate has become has become such a top priority for public health in a, a variety of ways. If you think about even just the past couple of years, things like, um, you know, the historic wildfires, uh, heat, and us, us experiencing in Oregon 
uh, higher temperatures than ever before. And, and when we look back, the rising heat, and that has, you know, impacts on all sorts of facets of our health, just from actual life. Um, and take the heat event, for example, where we saw over 100 people um, losing their lives, but then also asthma visits uh, went up in the emergency department, and there's a variety of other factors. So I think the climate has impacts on our health in, in so many different ways, from air to soil to water to heat. Um, and those are all things that are becoming more and more urgent, and um, which is why I'm so excited to be having this conversation about, about what, we, what we can be doing and, and the links between climate and health and the links between climate and health equity. Great. Um, thank you, Rachel. And the last question I have for you, can you tell us what did Oregon do well in responding to the inequities of the COVID-19 pandemic for the Latinx community and other communities? And the second question, and I can reread those again, what lessons from the pandemic can be applied for equitable climate action for BIPOC and other vulnerable community members? Yeah, well, thank you for those questions. I mean, I think about the work that uh, my colleagues in the um, Community Partnership and Outreach Program, CPOP, um, have, have done, led by um, Oliver, and they the work getting um, personal protective equipment and water and other information to farm workers and um, to migrant and seasonal farm workers. And I think really because of some of those relationships that had happened in the, in the agency and the work that was done so many years before COVID um, really paved the way also to um, have other things and, and other people really focus on migrant and seasonal farm workers, for example. Um, that's one example. And, and um, the other thing that I think we've done well, but I, I don't want to even insinuate that um, it's enough or that, our, or that the outcomes for particularly the Latino, Latina, Latinx community um, in Oregon have not been lacking the entire time. Uh, we saw those inequities very early on, unfortunately, and COVID just has exacerbated all, all sorts of inequities and, and as well as systemic racism in the system. But I think having culturally specific approaches that um, include and are led by folks in the agency with lived experience has been uh, a really a step in the right direction. And I think, you know, the community called us out and, and um, said, this isn't good enough. And what's your goal? And we want to plan. And um, I think us, you know, in the agency, at the health authority, not just sitting in that or being, um, you know, in a fragile space, or uh, a non-responsive space was really helpful and then saying, uh, yeah, all right. Um, and so that was initially when the, the goal was set to vaccinate 80% of communities of color was really spurred by leadership in the Latinx community saying, we, you know, we want to be part of the solution and we, we also want to hold you all accountable. Rosemary, we read your second question again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. What lessons from the pandemic can be applied 
for equitable climate action for BIPOC and other vulnerable community members? Yeah, I think a couple of lessons uh, learned. One are the work regionally has um, really taught us a lot. And so in the the COVID pandemic, uh, we have regional teams, field teams uh, that that worked across the state that were able to uh, have strategies that that were specific to communities, to, to local assets. And I think that that's something that works really well and, and that will continue. Also having those community or culturally specific approaches um, where communities, and, and that, can, that can be geographic, that can be, um, you know, for example, working with the disability community, BIPOC communities, um, and, and across the, the range to really start from a, a place of strengths and assets um, and wholeness, right? I think having that community specific approach then people can talk about what we need to be doing, you know, intergenerationally. They can talk, they can forecast um, it forward. You know, maybe we're talking about, we've gathered people in COVID now, but people are talking to us about behavioral health. They're talking to us about the role of faith communities. They're talking to us about, um, diabetes or, or what have you. And so starting from the community place, I think is just a great lesson learned and a framework to, to move forward. So we're not, um, you know, kind of dissecting people by whatever the, the issue is. And some of the things that uh, we're doing with climate is um, in, in what's called public health modernization, which has been an effort to modernize the public health system for a number of years. The focus this time and with the legislature's um, latest investment is really climate. And so for us, that's climate justice and working uh, with communities to have climate resiliency plans, working with community-based organizations, um, bringing community-based organizations into the public health system in the way that we have, I think is, is uh, another one of the greatest successes of COVID and the greatest learnings to carry forward uh, because that wisdom, right, will continue no matter what the issue is, that, that wisdom and, and building those trusting relationships with community is, is gonna work no matter what. Yeah, thank you. Those are really great examples. Can you share with us what are the climate and health equity priorities for the state of Oregon? Yeah, so we um, have a number of priorities and some of them, you know, we have uh, over a hundred programs in at the, um, in public health. And so there's, there's many more than, than I'll touch on, but uh, one of them is really the, um, the efforts around climate resiliency and working with communities, as I, I mentioned for um, the climate resiliency plans and um, just getting more information out there. And so folks have um, steps that they can, they can take um, should, you know, let's say in a wildfire or smoke or something uh, happen. It's also to have better um, tracking with impacts. I had, had mentioned before, you know, when we're seeing increases uh, in, we're able to monitor the data to see increases in like emergency room um, visits, for example, we want to be able to communicate that back to local communities so that the health uh, education or information gets out there. And so folks know, you know, what um, warning signs may be and, and know what's happening in their community. So there's always a, a data element that we are, um, that are in our goals as well as, as the um, 
the elements of community engagement and equity. We have goals around um, water. We have an environmental health program that does phenomenal work um, in, in a variety of different ways. So there's there's work there happening with local communities just to ensure that the water is safe. Um, and that includes, you know, monitoring for certain chemicals and, and um, mitigating that when, when it happens and making sure folks are aware of that. And of course, we, we want to prevent um, those sort of impacts. And we're pretty excited. We're going to be um, putting out a, um, a, a report about climate health and the impacts on young people. And um, I just, there's phenomenal colleagues that have done, um, done this work, really understanding the, the mental health impacts and working directly with young people and um, understanding how climate issues impact their, their mental health, whether that's depression or anxiety, or just hope for the future. And I think it um, you know, should inspire us all to be thinking about what we can do for those future generations and um, that, that there's real impacts to them now. Why that, there's a lot there in terms of packing some of the information that you have just shared. But I think oftentimes what communities um, struggle with is that we have to um, be mindful of collecting data because the data tells the story, right, Rachel? And yeah. that provides oftentimes the resources and the formulas that we look at. So if there's a high percentage of asthma happening in Washington County, for example, um, where is that coming from? How is that distributed? Where can people get information? So I think you bring some really good examples of, of how important uh, both uh, community-based and um, programs are to the success in terms of getting in getting our communities healthier. Would you mind sharing some action steps that we can all take for climate action? Yeah, well, this is one of them, right? Listening to the podcast and and um, just familiarizing ourselves with the link between climate and health and understanding. Uh, that link and, and making commitments to to do something about it. I think that there are all sorts of things as um, jurisdictions and more and more jurisdictions are making investments that shift away from fossil fuels. Um, we can look at those investments as opportunities to maximize health benefits and also make sure that they are um, being applied or that, that communities of color and other communities who've experienced the greatest burdens get the benefit of those investments. Uh, so I think that that's, you know, in, in various jurisdictions getting involved uh, in, in projects or their transportation advisory committees, and there's a variety of um, different things there. And then really um, advocating for an approach to starting those investments first in communities who have experienced um, the greatest burdens and the greatest inequities. So I think that that's, you know, an, another thing. And then I would say, finally, really um, being in community and connection to one another and fostering and um, enhancing that social cohesion. We know when we saw with um, the heat, for example, and folks, there was a disproportionate impact um, for lower income communities 
or places without um, air conditioning, for example. And often some of the folks who experienced the most illness um, or, or deaths were lived alone. And so thinking about how do we create communities and, and um, respond to events that, that may be things that happen acutely, like a heat event or things that happen you know, more, more chronically like air pollution or what have you, but being it, but checking on neighbors um, and, and building those connections so that if, if someone in our neighborhood or in our families in trouble that, that we're able to, to help. We so appreciate. Um, I think one of the things that stood out for me is the terminology collective grief when you use that as your defining moment and being in that room and looking at um, sort of like a tsunami coming and not knowing what this ultimately was going to do, this COVID-19 to all of our communities. You have provided an opportunity to put a, a face to the people that um, are the ones that are most vulnerable and Rachel, for that, we thank you for all of the work that you are doing out there as a collective uh, whole and looking at the person holistically. I think oftentimes we're remiss by not doing that and separating parts out. But yes, I totally agree that our youth, um, you know, in many of our families, um, with our younger population, um, anxiety and depression are really out there and there's a real struggle and not a lot of resources to go there. So I think bringing these youth to the table and helping us find different ways is a, is a really positive kind of thing. And we so appreciate the work you're doing in Oregon. Gonzuelo, do you have anything additionally? And then I'll ask you as well, Rachel, to wrap it up in terms of what your thoughts have been. Again, um, I just know working with Rachel at Multnomah Public Health, just the commitment to um, all of our BIPOC communities and trying to do the very best and also always listening, always bringing community members in, always trying to work with um, organizations to make sure that we can all have the best health. So again, um, thank you, Rachel. Is there anything additional oh, you'd like to add? Well, thank you. I just appreciate you all and the work that, that you're doing and, and using your expertise to start these important conversations and, and being able to raise up uh, important issues and with the focus on BIPOC communities. I think so many of the health issues, uh, there's a tendency to individualize or blame and not understand the things that go into good health. And, and so having the opportunity to talk about the impact between climate and health um, has just been a, a real pleasure. And I uh, respect and admire the work that you all have done for years and decades. And it's just uh, great to have this conversation. Thank you for being with us, Rachel, today. And thank you to our sponsor, Familias en Acción, located in Portland, Oregon. Please go to familiasenaccion.org for more information about their climate and health justice program. Thank you all for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify, and we appreciate your reviews. 
We look forward to having you with us next time on Abuelas en Acción.